Cool. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Getting started this morning, um, who here uh, played Little League? We can say baseball or softball. A couple of you here? Okay. <clears throat> I played Little League pretty much, I guess, until I went to middle school, and then I didn't make my middle school team, and so my baseball dreams pretty much ended there, but... I'm a, I'm a daydreamer. I'm a dreamer. Uh, so one of my favorite things to do was to think about uh, what was going to happen in the moments when I had an opportunity to be the clutch player, the star player. Honestly, daydreaming was probably my favorite part of uh, playing Little League Baseball. Um, but I'll say, uh, whenever I would have my daydreams, it kind of looked something like this. And look who's coming up. physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs, the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. If he hits the ball on the ground, I would imagine he would be running 50% to first base. So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. This is it. Now, for the Dodger fans out there, you know this is uh, game one of the 1988 World Series, the last time the Dodgers won, except for this year, which, of course, will win the World Series. Hopefully, we'll see. <clears throat> but this was uh, pretty much – I wasn't a Dodger fan growing up. I'll just admit that right now. I was pretty much Braves fan growing up in Louisiana because we didn't have a team. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, everybody can cheer for the Cubs, I'm sure. Uh, but I constantly had these kind of things run through my brain when uh, when I would picture myself getting up to bat, and it was always that I was the clutch player, you know, both both legs blown out, and if if he doesn't hit this ball out of the park, it's all over. Um, I think most of us, when we think of our impact on other people, uh, we want to be the clutch player. Now, again, you might not be in sports at all. You might not be a Dodger fan. I might have completely turned you off with that clip. But at work, in our families, in the different teams uh, that we're on, we really would love to be 
the clutch player. And in all of the daydreams I ever had, at no point did I ever get up to bat and strike out. It just never happened. I never had a situation where I got up in front of everybody and it was time to come through in the pinch and I, uh, and I dropped the ball or I, I failed my team. And honestly, this was far more likely the scenario. Uh, I've, I've failed the team more than I've, uh, than I've been the guy who's hit the game winning home run. In fact, probably in Little League, I think a triple may, might have been the most I've ever, ever did. Uh, but when I let somebody down, I feel bad about it, usually feel pretty horrible about it. But I learn from my mistake. I uh, clean up any relationships that might have been damaged by what I did, and then I move on. Now, when other people mess up, that's a little bit different. Normally, when other people mess up, I look over, and uh, it's harder for me to to deal with that. I don't just move on right away. I think to myself, well, you know, can I trust this person again? Are we going to be able to team up in the future, or is this kind of the end of this road? Today, uh, what we're going to be looking at is what do we do when a teammate messes up? We know kind of what to do when we mess up, but what do we do when a teammate messes up? How can we move forward? In this story, we've been talking really about what we do here as a church. How do we band together to accomplish the mission that God's given us? God has given us a massive mission, and he's called us all to get together and do it together. And we've been looking through the life of Paul, um, an early church starter, who God radically transformed his life. God turned him from a person that hated the church, hated God's people, to a person that wanted to serve to the point of being willing to die for his faith being willing to give everything, put all of his resources, all those talents and energy into the mission. So we've been looking at that, and Paul really was a person that modeled working together as a team. This guy was super talented, got a lot done, but he teamed together with other people to be able to multiply the impact that he had. And that's really what we want to do as a church. So in the first week, we looked at how do we band together, kind of like a scrum in uh, in uh, rugby? So you're looking on the front of your program, you see the scrum. How do we pull together and move in the same direction? That's what a, a really good team does uh, to accomplish the mission. How do we do that? The second week, we looked at the fact that uh, for long-term effectiveness, we have to choose to unite, to stay united as one, one mind, one heart, um, one spirit together as a team, and that's honestly the only way that we can have long-term effectiveness. Today, we're going to be focusing on what happens when a teammate messes up, because honestly, I don't know how many teams you've been on or groups, someone's going to mess up. It's going to happen. So what do we do? So in order to to kind of focus our attention today, we're actually going to be looking at one case study. Uh, it's of a guy named John Mark, and John Mark, you you don't have that much about him in the scripture, but it's kind of a story. You get the beginning, the end, you get a couple details in the middle, uh, but not much. But he was a leader in training in the church. And uh, there's a lot that we can learn uh, about how a person can go from messing up to getting back on track. So today we're going to start by looking at uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. If you join me. Now, in the church at Antioch, 
there were prophets and teachers. Now, again, these are all a bunch of Greek names, so um, I'm not going to uh, go through all of them right now. But uh, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. <clears throat> the two of them uh, uh, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So we're introduced to this guy, John Mark, and uh, you see here they call him John, uh, but the church called him Mark. So this gets a little confusing in the story. Sometimes he's John Mark, sometimes he's John, sometimes he's Mark. Just to throw a little uh, chaos into the situation, my first name is actually John, but they call me Barry. So I kind of can see how John Mark, it's very confusing my whole life. When first day of school, they called the name John. Uh, I'm Barry. I have to introduce myself that way. So so me and John Mark have this in common. Uh, but John Mark, his, his mom was a very devoted Christian in Jerusalem, and she would open her home so that gatherings kind of like this of people looking to pray as believers would come in, and that's what John Mark kind of grew up around. And it's clear that John Mark had some sort of leadership abilities or some sort of ability that a guy like Paul and a guy like Barnabas that are heading off on their first mission would say, hey, you know who would be a good person to bring along? would be John Mark. You know, even if you volunteer for a position like this, I'm sure Paul and, and Barnabas wanted to make sure that they had a good guy. So John Mark uh, steps up to bat, and um, he's going he's gonna to head out with them. So in Acts 13.13, 13, we see uh, some kind of a change of plans. It says, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So something happens, and if if you're just reading straight through this, you probably don't even notice, okay, he just decided, I'm going back home to mom's house, you know, I need to do laundry or something like that. I'm heading back, and so you don't really think too much about it. But then there's a real uh, disagreement later on uh, that kind of shows you what something more happened here. Uh, so in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 41, it says, Sometime later, Paul, and, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So this is kind of gives us an indication of what Paul's heart is like. He didn't just go and do this first mission and then out of sight, out of mind, he's going to move on to the next place. But Paul had a heart for following up with people and uh, and making sure that they're developing, that they've uh, they've learned the lessons that he's taught and just see where they're where they're at in their life. So they continue on. Uh, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So we get a little bit more uh, information here that John Mark didn't just uh, didn't just take a little detour. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, but he actually deserted them and it's clear from the way Paul says this is that this, this wasn't a good thing. They, he dropped the ball here. He, he left the team in a lurch. He stopped them from, uh, from making the progress that he was sent to really help them do. So 
Paul doesn't really trust that John Mark is really going to be able to help out moving forward. John Mark's messed up. Uh, but the good thing is, and spoiler alert, if you haven't read Second Timothy before, uh, there is a happy ending to this story. Second uh, Timothy 4, uh, verse 11 says, only, uh, only Luke is with me. That's related to something else. Uh, get Mark and bring him to me, uh, gr- bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in ministry. So, happy ending. John Mark goes from being a person that has deserted Paul to a person that is helpful in his ministry. Uh, it's exciting. It's good, good, good to hear. But what exactly happened here? John Mark abandoned Paul and Barnabas. Uh, John Mark has messed up by abandoning the team. And people can mess up by doing a lot of different things. Uh, but basically what we're going to be talking about today is messing up in a way that it stops the forward progress as a team. We've been talking about throughout this whole, whole time how we band together and we're moving in the same direction. But from time to time, people are going to mess up. Uh, and honestly, if you look through all the writings of Paul, this isn't the only person who's done this to Paul. Uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10, uh, it says that Demas, a guy named Demas, deserted Paul. Um, also, uh, in another book, it says that Hymenus and Alexander were shipwrecked, uh, shipwrecked their faith by believing false teachers. So they got sidetracked and they were no longer part of the work that Paul was doing. Um, another complicated Greek name, there's a lot of them in this story, uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes, uh, and it also says, and everyone else that was in the church of the province of Asia deserted Paul. So this wasn't the only person that we see had deserted Paul. That's at least five people and probably more because it says, uh, you know, basically the whole church deserted him. Uh, but there's many ways that people mess up on a team. They, you could abandon the team like uh, John Mark did. Uh, you can get sidetracked by sin. You know, that, that's a very common in the church. You can have unhealthy or inappropriate relationships that just take you completely sideways and get you off the mission. But basically anything that sidetracks you from the mission of the team is messing up. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Another thing was that John Mark was in that phase of the relationship where he was learning, earning the trust of the team. And so when you, when you mess up at that stage, it really hurts people uh, because they don't know, hey, we, we didn't really you know, we were learning if we could trust this guy, and uh, it's clear that we, you know, we can't do that. But there's different types of relationships that we all have. Uh, when there's people that we've built a lot of trust with and they let us down, this is kind of rare. But when it happens, it just breaks us. It really hurts that somebody that you, you really trust uh, rocks your world by proving that they're not faithful. The second thing is maybe a person that you've built some trust with and you're like, oh, man, I can really count on that person, and they let you down. You know, that really hurts because, man, you were just getting to the place where you can you could count on them and they, they drop the ball. Uh, the third person is this guy, this John Mark guy, who is kind of like a rookie. He's new to the team. He's just coming around, and you're trying to decide, hey, can you trust this person? You know, we all have people around us like that. And when they drop the ball, you kind of – you kind of feel like maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't give them another chance. Maybe, maybe this is really what they're like. But we all need time to build trust on our teams. Uh, anybody that's just joining a team, you're, you're building trust as you get to know people and work together. Uh, but in this story, we don't get much more details than 
what's presented to us. We just know that we have a happy ending. And I'm sure we would love to see it in this church that when people mess up, um, obviously if somebody messes up in a small way, there's, you know, really quickly you can get back on the team and get going again. But when people really blow it, when people really mess up big on their teams, um, we would love to see that everybody gets reconciled and gets back on track together. Uh, and there's no, there's no place here where Paul says, now let me tell you exactly how it happened that John Mark got back on track. There's no, it's, it's just not that simple. But Paul gives a lot of clues in his writing about some different things that we can learn that would help us when other people mess up. Uh, so two things before we get into those. Uh, one is that we can't control other people. Uh, when people uh, bail or aren't responsible, they they can't be counted upon. Uh, they're really, and, and they don't really want to get back on track. They're just going to go do their own thing, you know. It's tough. Sometimes all we can do is pray and hope that God uh, leads them back to the right track. But what we can do is we can control how we relate to other people. And our goal is that we see people on our teams, when they do fail, when they get off track, come back and get back on the team. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So the first thing is uh, when, when somebody on our team messes up, they get off track, we can uh, we can get our attitude in order. That's kind of the first thing that you see here. Now, again, there's no verse that says, hey, get your attitude right. But Paul didn't really give up on people. You see over and over that he follows up with people. He writes letters warning people. Uh, he does different things. But, uh, but throughout Paul's writings, he's constantly talking about the new life that we have in Christ. And when you accept Jesus the Holy Spirit comes in and he changes some things inside of you so that you can choose new ways of doing things. So a verse that kind of talks a little bit about this uh, that Paul wrote is in Colossians three twelve through 14, and it says, uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So when we're thinking about how Paul relates to people, I think this verse is something that we can see is something that Paul probably modeled to these churches. This is the way he automatically responded to people was in the way that, uh, that Christ would have us live, which is a, the new way of living. Instead of choosing to, when somebody fails, blow up on them and kick them out and all this kind of stuff, you look to uh, to show compassion, kindness, gentleness. When I uh, first got serious about reading scripture, I would read these things, and as the tough guy that I am, I would read these things and I would say, "Oh my gosh, those sound those sound pretty weak. Those aren't really things that I really care uh, to be about." But the reason it's possible to react this way when you're dealing with other people is because the Holy Spirit is working inside of you. This is highly foreign to the way most of us think about relating to people. And when I'm in a situation where somebody has failed me and messed up and I feel just really angry, if I don't get my attitude in order, if I don't take a step back, then I'm going to react just out of my old way of doing things. I'm going to blow up. I'm going to get mad. That's kind of my mark is I'm going to get angry and I'm going to 
uh, try to damage you with my words. But if I get my attitude in order, if I take a step back, I have an opportunity to treat people the way that, that God would treat them, which is very, very different than the way I would normally treat people. And I think that this is a key indication of how Paul probably treat John Mark moving forward. Now, we know that when they split, Barnabas and John Mark went ahead and Paul headed off with silence to do the work. He wasn't going to let the mission, uh, you know, get slowed down by John Mark messing up. But it's clear that he still had some sort of relationship along the way that John Mark still was related to Paul, that eventually it could get to the point where John Mark could rebuild trust and, um, and get back on the team. But I think looking at this verse, we kind of see the fact that this is the way that, J- that Paul related to John Mark. And if people on our teams mess up, if we go to them with the spirit uh, or the way that, that God would have us go to them, showing forgiveness, compassion, gentleness, a whole new world of opportunity opens up. And people who otherwise might just go deeper down the path have an opportunity to say, hey, I messed up and I want to get back on track. Um, so Paul kept the doors of the relationships over by having choosing to have a different attitude. The other thing is that we have to choose to have the right approach. Uh, we can have the right attitude, but if we don't approach the person correctly, uh, if we come at them harsh or uh, we just say, you know what, you messed up, we'll, we'll, we'll give you, you know, unlimited do-overs, uh, then the person's not really going to learn. And um, in... Paul, like Paul gives some indication of how we can approach people differently in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and it says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So we see a couple different uh, instructions here of different types of people. Uh, I know all of us have seen somebody who's idle or disruptive. Well, it says, you know, those people we need to warn. Uh, the people that are disheartened, which I've been disheartened in the work that I do from time to time, I, I really need encouragement. So that's what he says to do. Uh, when I'm weak and I don't have the resources that I need, I really need help. I don't need, you know, somebody to correct me because I'm just awful. I really need help in those times. And, and I, at all times, as I'm working on a team, need people to be patient with me. And when you look at the, the turnaround that John Mark had, it seems like, there were people around him that were patient. So we see Barnabas that says, hey, I'm not going to give up on John Mark. I'm going to go with him, or he's going to come with me. And we see a lot of patience that uh, that Barnabas showed. But I think we'd also probably see that Paul had a lot of par- patience with Barnabas or uh, with John Mark too, because it takes people time uh, to develop. It takes time for people to uh, to get back on track, to make new choices, so that's one thing is as we learn to approach people rightly, uh, we need to know how uh, how to address them. Do we warn them? Do we encourage them? Do we help them? Another is in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. Uh, we kind of get an indication of how, how we can go about uh, coming to them. You know, if, if somebody does something that's just between you and me, something small on the team, then I need to come to them just one-to-one. No big deal. I don't need to bring it up to the whole church or anything like that. But if, if a teammate fails me one-on-one, we just talk about it one-on-one. If, uh, if they don't do anything about it, they're not going to change or they still want to live rebelliously, then, you know, I get another person involved. You know, we're going to come to people because we both love this person. 
And we want to see the mission move forward. So we're going to come to him as two people. And then finally, like it talks about in that, that verse that when, um, when something's serious enough, we bring it up to the whole group. But we need to look at all the situations that we're in and we need to approach people in the right way. And if we approach them in the right way with the right, you know, seriousness, uh, the level of uh, intensity of the situation, then people can really hear correction in a way that it makes makes an impact in their life. I know in my life, I would ha- I would love to say that I've never been corrected, uh, but that's just not true. And when people come to me with a stern correction and I can see that they're really serious and they're not backing down and maybe even they get somebody else involved to really talk to me about something, um, and I can see that they love me and they want to see this mission of the group that we've committed to move forward, then I'm, I'm all for it. I want to learn my lesson. I want to change. And as a team, um, we, we need to not only have the right attitude that I'm going to slow down and I'm not just going to, you know, bite somebody's head off, but I'm going to go at it the way that Christ would have me go about it. But I'm going to choose the right approach that's going to benefit that person so that they have an opportunity to change. I think when we look at the life of John Mark and the change that he made, I think he could see that Paul was very serious about John Mark abandoning him. And luckily we see that at the end um, he was able to turn and change. Uh, the final thing is uh, that this is all going to take time. We have to give this process time. <clears throat> we don't, we really don't have an, a real clear picture, I guess, of how long it was between the time that John Mark left them and the time that Paul is saying something like, hey, bring him to me. He's very valuable to me. We don't know how long that is, but I can guarantee you it took a little bit of time John Mark not only had to figure out how to be faithful on the team, but he had to also build some skills. So John Mark becomes valuable to helping people. But it takes time when you work with people, and people need time to rebuild trust. That's one big thing. It takes time to rebuild trust. Um, it takes time to choose different things. I know when I've messed up in my life, sometimes it's I keep bumping into the same problem because I need to learn to choose something different. And that's tough because it just takes some time. And then sometimes we just need time to mature, to grow up, and then all of a sudden these decisions become a little bit easier because we've matured in some different areas of our life and being faithful makes a lot of sense. I think John Mark probably had to have all these things take place, and it took time for him to get to the place where he could come back and be a part of the team, that Paul and him were working together, that Paul was able to trust him to send him off, and then Paul was willing to to call him out and say, hey, I want him to come and be a part of what we're doing because he's just that helpful to me. These are the kind of things that we want to see happen uh, in the church is that whenever people fail, if they're willing to get back on the team and get going again, that's what we want to see happen. And um, a verse that I just wanted to highlight was Second Peter 3.9. Again, this wasn't written by Paul, but uh, it tells us a little bit about the way that God treats us. And it says, uh, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And this verse is talking about kind of the end of the story. Uh, God could snap his fingers, and just like that, time could end. And um, people who haven't chosen to follow Christ would be completely separated from him. He could do that right now. And um, I'm deeply thankful for the fact that God 
um, has not done that yet. I'm thankful for in my life that at times when I had failed and I had turned my back on God or uh, gotten off track, that God was slow, not the way that we think of slow, but he was slow in bringing uh, consequences, that he gave me time uh, to get back on track, that he's put people in my life that love me enough to speak into my life and help me get back on track. In a lot of ways, there's there's many parts of this story of John Mark that I really resonate with, and I'm sure some of you could resonate with messing up and just saying, you know, I really just want to figure out how to get back on track. That's the hope, really, that, that Christ gives us, is that no matter who you are and what you've done, uh, we have an opportunity to get back on track. So as we kind of wrap up this series, uh, you know, our hope here at Church in the Valley is that we can band together as a body to move the mission that God has given us forward. To accomplish this over the long term, we have to be able to stay united. And as people mess up and they fall off track, uh, this is a kind of place where if you're willing to get back on track, there's help. Um, we can work together and uh, we don't give up on people. So um, I want to encourage everyone here, if, if you haven't joined a team or you haven't considered uh, joining a team or a group, that uh, that's something that you definitely could do uh, today to get part of uh, of what we're doing here. Uh, maybe you just want to you know try something out like helping out with the harvest party. You can indicate that on your card. Uh, but as we band together, uh, there's things that God is going to do among us that He works as we correct one another, as we work together. Uh, that just doesn't happen just by us coming here on Sunday mornings. Um, so as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you to think through your next steps. And hopefully these would be things that would help you along. If you've thought of something today that God is really putting on your heart to to move forward with and try out, you know, just write that in. That might even be better than the next steps that I'm suggesting here. But uh, maybe your first step here uh, today or your next step would be to join a group or a team. There's an opportunity to do that. You can fill that out on your connection card and just maybe circle it really big and say, count on me, I want to join the team. Maybe... Uh, Somebody has hurt you, a team member or somebody else, and the best thing that could happen today is that you take the time to go forgive someone. Actually, um, as I was writing this message, uh, God really convicted me of something like this. Um, And um, there's a voicemail waiting for somebody uh, to return, but um, to choose to forgive someone and move forward in the relationship, maybe that's what you need to do. Uh, the final thing is to take some time to pray for the people in your, that you team with. Um, sometimes our team members will uh, will fail us, and sometimes our team members just need encouragement and support. Uh, they need us to be praying for them and taking care of them. So maybe that's that's what you need to do today. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Dear God, um, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of the great work that you're doing here on earth, that... Um, even though we're just normal people, you've given us gifts and um, you work through us. And as we choose to band together, God, you work in our lives and you use us uh, for your mission. And so, God, I pray that as uh, as we leave here that um, we would really care for one another, that we would love one another, that we would um, forgive one another, and that we really would team together and work uh, so that you would, you would find... Um, 
or you would be honored just in this this entire world we live in. And uh, we love you and we ask for your blessing upon this church. Amen.